Hello, and welcome to episode 167 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is somehow still most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the mission from God. This week we're going to be talking about the Blues Brothers on your Heidi, 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 Heidi. podcast. Coronavirus, you can find me on Twitter at Mandy K. And I'm Matthew Bose. I'm online far too often, frankly, so please send me things. I'm on Twitter at Matthew Bose. This week we are joined by Rachel from the Superb Podcast, So You Want to Read Tolkien. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hey, it's so great to be here. I am on the internet a medium amount of time, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, and you can find me on Twitter for all sorts of shenanigans at Sir underscore Rachel. Like I've been knighted, which is my life goal. <laughs> That's awesome. You, you all have the best Twitter handles. We're so unimaginative here. I think we said this with Emmy last week. I mean, <laughs> it just sort of happened. Uh, uh, what Emmy probably didn't tell you, um, for those of you playing at home, Emmy is one ooh, of my co-hosts on So You Want to Read Tolkien. Um, I got her on Twitter, so she owes me everything. Ooh. Yeah. So we have Epic Emmy and Sir Rachel, and then we've got. Just our names. Mandy Kay and Matthew Bose. Yeah. You know. We are so boring. <laughs> As I said, we should we should come back and just do like goddess something, emperor something. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> the Blues Brothers. I've been really excited for this. I, when we were planning this, I had a look on Twitter for like, you know, you can search for people you follow when they've mentioned Blues Brothers. In 2017, I said this was one of the films on the list that I was most excited to do, Mandy. I had forgotten about that. So we finally got there. Yay! Um, Rachel, why is this such a favorite for you then? Why why, why this one? Uh, so what I thought about would be really fun about this is that it is definitely the first R-rated movie I ever saw. Okay. Um, which, that question was going around for a while and I couldn't think of it. And then as soon as I thought about watching this, I was like, definitely this. Nice. Um, so I grew up uh, in the Chicago suburbs. And so it was kind of a, a must-have right. sort of movie. And so it's 100% just like peak nostalgia, 100% here, just the the fun of, of Chicago. And also just like uh, it's one of the most quotable movies uh, and one that comes up a lot. I mean, the number of times I say I'm on a mission from God when I am definitely not <laughs> on a mission from God. <laughs> We're on a mission from God. Yeah, that's why I love it. So yeah, first time I saw it is a very long time ago. I was probably like nine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is, was this the first R-rated movie you saw in the theaters? Or no. This no. was at home. Okay. Yes, definitely at home. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to uh, to age myself, but I am in fact a baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she could have been nine in 1980. Yeah. We weren't nine yeah. in 1980 for sure. I wasn't even born yet. Yep. <laughs> Matthew. Yeah, pretty much the same sort of thing. I remember we had this taped off the TV mm -hmm. uh, on, on VHS. Uh, I I have a thing in my head that it's one of my dad's favorites. Uh, I think it is, but it feels like it should be a favorite of his from when he was young. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you know, not because he had <laughs> me a year or two after this was out. Um, 
And yeah, this is another one I can remember just watching over and over again because it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Just on that, on you know, worn yeah. out thing from the from the TV. And I am I am wearing. You can't really see it. My Chicago Cubs T-shirt <laughs> representing Wrigley Field tonight. Uh, see, despite the background you can see in here, uh, I'm actually a White Sox fan. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm sure that goes ever well with the family. I've um, never actually been to Chicago. I will admit mm-hmm. this is a present for someone who did go. So I went oh. to the upskirts is the best I've done. There we go. <laughs> no, I, I'm from a split family. So oh, half of us are, are Sox fans and half are Cub fans. And it's a. Uh, Always a point of contention, except for this year when everyone is unhappy. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine during right? the season it gets pretty intense at times. <laughs> yeah, it, it it can. It depends. It seems that like usually one team or the other is good. So it's been a long time since there's been actual contention. <laughs> okay, Mandy, what's the film about? So IMDb wrote this one. Okay. They're my favorite writer. Somebody at IMDb. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody who works for IMDb wrote this one. How about that? (laughs) Jake Blues, just released from prison, puts together his old band to save the Catholic home where he and his brother Elwood were raised. I love that synopsis because if that's all you knew about it, you would definitely put this in a completely different genre. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Or if you're me and you've only ever seen the trailer... And then you see that, it's just very confusing. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. You're really nervous about this one, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> let's talk expectations first. <laughs> let's, let's have a little chat. What? So you saw the trailer. Did you know anything about so, it from before watching the trailer? No, okay. no, no. Joseph made me watch the trailer when I told him that this was the movie we were going to do. And okay. he's like, you have to watch the trailer. And I watched it and... When it was over, I looked at him and said, I still have no idea what this movie is about. <laughs> no idea. And then you tweeted that you had watched it and you gave it a 10 out of 10. Yep. Perfection. And and that put the fear of God in me. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I – this movie was, was set up to be uh, I, uh, more than it was for me. Okay. How come you haven't seen it then? So my instinct is, why would I have seen this movie, right? It's from 1980. It is based on an SNL sketch, which we've already clarified. I didn't do SNL stupid comedy before 2006, when Talladega Nights came out. Okay. (laughs) And yeah, I think that's probably the main reason. Is 1980 SNL not something I would have ever done? This is a little bit the epitome of pop culture deprived because it's film, it's music, and it's TV all wrapped up into one, and you were just kept away from it in some ways. Also, it really it doesn't have any requirement to, for you to know the SNL sketch because I mean hmm. the internet barely existed when I first watched this. I definitely had not seen. Right, but I wasn't a fan mm-hmm. of SNL for a mm-hmm. really long time. And even now, I don't actually watch the show. I prefer to watch clips. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then you only like, see I the good take ones. take it all at once. Yeah. yeah. The rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you guys happen to read the um, little exchange between myself and Joseph that I typed up at the bottom of my thoughts doc? 
I did. Yes, but um, for people for whom this is an audio format, <laughs> why don't you tell us what you put? I, I will. I will read both parts. Do so voices. I said, I'm not doing voices. Rachel, as guest, you are you are happy to take either of the. You can do the Mandy lines if you want. <laughs> oh God! So, Mandy said. If I had seen this in the 80s and knew who all of those music people were, I probably would have lost my shit. Joseph promptly replied with, you're so uncultured. And then he went, and and of course, I immediately said, duh, that's why we're doing this podcast. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And then he goes, there's not a single thing about that movie that wasn't fan-fucking-tastic, and you're just like, meh. (laughs) I mean, I'm with him on this. I think Matthew is as well. So I'm I'm feeling kind of I'm not gonna talk a lot in this movie okay. <laughs> in this episode. Let's let's argue it in just a minute. For people who are listening and don't know, The Blues Brothers is a nineteen eighty comedy musical directed by John Landis, written by Landis and Dan Aykroyd, and starring Aykroyd, John Belushi, and a wealth of comedians and musicians. The film was based on characters created on and off Saturday Night Live by Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. They were both very into music of all genres and formed the group to bring a sound and style they liked, which was underrepresented in those days. They did some performances on SNL and released an album called Briefcase Full of Blues, which reached number one on the Billboard 200 and went double platinum. Universal then won the bidding war for this film, following the success of the stars on SNL and in Animal House. However, the budget ended up significantly more than was expected. Twelve, They expected $12 million. It ended up at $30 million. The film ended up grossing $115 million and became a cult hit, spawning a sequel, live shows, further music releases, and performances at Universal Studios, and some world tours. There we go. Definitely a cult classic. There are pictures of me at the Universal Studios performances with the Blues Brothers at around age 10 somewhere. So if I find them, they're going up. (laughs) That's amazing. Didn't you know where they are, though? (laughs) See, that's really funny, because... Uh, at my work, we were having a conversation um, the other day, or I guess months ago, because it was before COVID. Was which, say, yeah. What time? time what amount of time meaning. ago was that? Who knows? Remember um, people? Yeah. <laughs> Remember when you could just like chat with humans? Um, but it was like little things that your town is famous for. Um, and mm. mine is actually where Groundhog Day was filmed. Um, oh. But uh, someone else brought up that, you know, it, it's Mount Prospect. They even, like, they actually still have one of those, uh, the Mount Prospect police cars. Cool. That, you know, they bought to, that, that you know, Jake and Elwood bought for their car in the movie. So that's like, nice. they still have that and bring it out for all the events. Like, <laughs> Love it. It's fun. Cool. We did like Groundhog Day. We did that a while ago. It's a good mm-hmm. film. Um... Um, I was going to say, it's funny because despite, you know, my life being Groundhog Day or maybe because of it, (laughs) I'm kind of with Mandy on this one. I find Groundhog Day kind of meh. It has some great bits, but, you know, (laughs) it happens. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, Blues Brothers, how were we all able to watch it? Uh, So I have the 25th anniversary edition DVD. Which okay. is one of the, it's the two-sided with the extended one. I watched the regular nice. one because I, you know, did not have infinite time in my life. Okay. Um, but it was really funny because I'm opening it and I'm thinking, like, I watched this, like, when it comes on TV and see it bits and pieces. And I couldn't remember 
the last time I was like, did we even watch this DVD? Uh, and then at one point it just like, it skipped a tiny bit and like, I watched with my parents because I'm quarantining with them and uh, we all went, oh yeah, we have watched this before. I remember it skipping in those exact parts. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I was able, I have a subscription to Stars right now to watch Outlander and it's available on Stars. Nice. So you to find it. So I have a two disc edition as well. It's the one that has Blues Brothers and Blues Brothers 2000 on it. I watched it, and, you know, it's a great film. It's 10 out of 10. It's a wonderful film. Everyone should go and see it because it's so much fun. Um, it's got extra scenes in it. <laughs> I'm watching going, I have never seen them parking the car in a garage. I have <laughs> never seen some of these shots of John Lee Hooker. I have never seen Elwood quitting his job. I was just so thoroughly confused. And I look it up. Turns out this is an extended edition. Yeah. I think I've never watched the DVD. I think I bought it to watch the sequel, effectively, because, <laughs> because it's always on TV. It, like the Blues right. Brothers is always on somewhere, so you just sort of catch it every year or two, and that yeah. kind of scratches that itch. I don't think I've ever actually watched my DVD, so I was watching it going, am I having a stroke? And like, I forgot <laughs> that I've you know, watched these things. I, I was legitimately wondering, had I watched, I always watched a version edited for TV, that mm-hmm. for some reason are taking these bits. Like, there's a whole thing when he quits his job, he steals some of the cans that he then uses later. But some of the cans he then uses in the cop cars that make them explode. So there's a whole extra scene with the cop cars exploding. It just was like, where does all this come from? Were any of them so, worth it? Uh, not not really. Like, you know, it's a little bit more of the film, but more yeah. of the, the singing performances and so on. Uh, clearly, you don't lose anything without it. It's not, yeah. you know. I'm trying so to... I'm curious, what was Elwood's job that he had to quit? He appeared to work in a canning factory, making sure the line didn't get clogged. And so he just okay. takes a couple of the cans, puts them in his briefcase, and goes, goes and quits his job and says, I'm going to become a priest. And the guy's like, oh, good luck with that. Yeah, you know, okay. you know pray for me. <laughs> like, it's fun, but... <laughs> Amazing. <Yeah. laughs> but he was just so confused, like... Oh, have I just not paid attention properly when I've watched this in the past? <laughs> um, other than that, it's not available on a normal service over here. You can rent it, though, and it comes around Sky very regularly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in this. It's John Landis' film, starring Ackroyd, starring Belushi, you know, Carrie Fisher, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles. There's, there's a lot of people in this. Mandy, who do you want to cover? Anyone you want to talk about here? <laughs> Um, I forgot to fill in this part on the outline, so I'm just going to say we've talked about Landis, Aykroyd, and Belushi on the show before, mm-hmm. and I'll leave it at that. Just go listen to our Animal House episode, our Ghostbusters episode, and then you'll hear where I've heard those. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I okay. love that Carrie Fisher's in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's such a weird part, but just, you know, you just, you and and you think, right, this came out in 1980, so it's like... I don't know if it came out before or after Empire, but, you know, like, before, she's just come off of Star Wars, and mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, that's what, what the whole world knows her as, and then here she, she just shows up with a flamethrower. <laughs> and and she's as good as, well, we, we'll get into Carrie Fisher in a bit, but it's just, it's, it's remarkable for how little she has to do. Yep. Yes, we will get into that. Um... 
musical films that use existing songs that do not have songs written for them. Can we talk a little bit about your experience of them, what you like about them, what you don't like about them, what you know of them? Um, I learned that there's a term for that. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't know that. Those are called jukebox musicals. And Wikipedia has a whole article on it. <laughs> nice. Handy. Because <laughs> I had to stop and think about it. like Because like so many of the musicals that I know and love have such popular Broadway songs in them that it's hard for me to distinguish which ones came from the musical okay. and which ones were just popular mm-hmm. and then they were in a musical, mm-hmm. right? So I had to Google it. And I was surprised to find there really aren't that many. Um, the ones that I've seen in movies would be Mamma Mia, uh, The Bodyguard. Mm-hmm. If The Bodyguard's actually a musical, and I don't actually think it is. Um, Moulin Rouge. It's a good one. And then they've done it on TV um, with Glee. And as I've recently been talking about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which is amazing. Nice. Yep. Um, so you like them. This is a thing you watch. It is. Okay. I, I think. Um, but I don't consider the Blues Brothers to be a musical either. But oh, it does feature popular music in it. Okay. Let's come circle back to that. <laughs> I, you know, we've already covered this, but just for full thing, did you enjoy the Blues Brothers? I did. I mean, the soundtrack was great. I didn't love it. Mm. It wasn't a 10 out of 10. I'd probably give it a five and a half i i think there's revisionism going on here because i'm sure the line was you're just like meh (laughs) (laughs) meh is ambivalent it's not that's terrible (laughs) so like five six i think that's that's okay that can be meh okay i mean i feel like five is the definition of meh (laughs) that is kind of how it works (laughs) yeah I, i have to bump it up just a little bit though because of aretha franklin's performance of freedom Yep. Yeah. I'll give it a six. I, I give it what so many points for everyone's performance in this, but I'm sure we will come to talk I'm, about it. I've how. broken Matthew's heart. Yeah, a little bit. He doesn't even, um, he's speechless. <laughs> I'm you so did... glad to be here for the uh, the episode where the prod- podcast breaks up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if if we didn't stop podcasting together after Monty Python, it was it's not going to Oh, boy. But, you know. <laughs> we, we made it. Um... The one you didn't mention there was Hairspray. Have you seen Hairspray? I have seen Hairspray. Okay. This reminds me of Hairspray. I think because that's another film, of, you know, this sort of era that I remember watching off TV and so on, that's got this, it's just happy and fun, despite what everything else in the film is doing that might be ridiculous or way too serious or something. It's but Hairspray just is not fun. a jukebox musical, right? Like, that's the music was written for Hairspray. Right? Or am I wrong? Yes, I, right. It's it's an actual musical, musical, right? Now yeah, you're making I me doubt so. everything I know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, let's 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 let's. I th- I thought they were actual songs that they were using, certainly for the dances. Is there like a mid jukebox type musical that's <laughs> you know some of it is? I thought all of the songs were originals. Oh, interesting. But I could be wrong. Uh, I don't know, and I'm not seeing it instantly. So, okay. It, this is the that's the the one that I would think I would compare it to the most, just because it's got that sort of sense of fun and joy throughout. And, and Hairspray goes to a slightly more serious place than this film does. Um, 
but in the music, in those performances that just mm-hmm. have you smiling and, and tapping your feet and clapping along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100% yes. Okay. I mean, different vibes, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally same. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for anything. I mean, not... I wouldn't want to see a jukebox musical on stage necessarily, but for like movies and stuff, like anything that just mm-hmm. has the the great music element to it, just mm. it gets me. I have seen the stage version of The Bodyguard. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it a lot, so it, c- it can be done well. Yeah. I, I, I have no, had I had tickets to, to We Will Rock You. I didn't go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the one I was thinking of. Like, yeah. uh, I'm sure it is fine. <laughs> I, I think, as a, as a complete tangent, I think there's a thing with those ones that are like a specific band or a specific singer. Mm-hmm. That it, you know, I think I've said this about Mamma Mia before. It's kind of shoehorning a plot around their songs. Exactly. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's, you know, I, I think where this isn't a, you know, Marvel movies uh, episode, but um, like the first Guardians of the Galaxy, for mm. all that, like like that moment when you first watch it and the music comes in with the different scenes and then, you know, mm-hmm. then you go on and you think about it too much and you're like this isn't actually a good movie but (laughs) (laughs) but it's like that moment where the music gets started and you just start tapping your foot and you're like i'm instantly more into this just because of the music yes and that's something i love in in movies and media yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely so what i know this is going to be a really hard question to answer what didn't grab you about this what or why did it not grab you well so here's the thing i think um, I mean, my comment, I think, was pretty spot on about why it's like there were so many cameos in this that that's part of the joy, mm-hmm. I think, of watching it, of of knowing who is on the screen and experiencing their performances in some ways. I didn't even recognize that was Aretha Franklin mm-hmm. until I saw her name at the end. I was like, holy shit, she's got an amazing voice. This is awesome. But I didn't know who she was. Right. And so I didn't get that sense of wonder okay. from it, mm-hmm. of of feeling like this is full of people that I love and, and music that I really love and in like enjoying that experience on the big screen or small screen in your living room. And I think that has a lot to do with it for me. Um, okay. I genuinely think that had I seen this in the 80s, well, okay, not when in the 80s because I was a tiny tiny person back then but had i been this age in the 80s and liked that music this absolutely would have been a a movie that i loved it's just i'm not aware enough of that kind of music and of the people in that world for me to feel familiarity okay watching this does that make sense like i mean it's not a bad movie it just didn't catch me because it it had a very specific target audience, and I was not in that audience just because I don't know that music. I don't know that scene. I don't know the music, mm. like the the musicians. So so is this a time that you felt the expectation on you about it and, you know, in, in watching it? Because we didn't know the music and the musicians when we watched it, but equally we were single or low-digit ages. Yep. <laughs> so... Maybe. I think part of it, 
Well, I didn't know what to expect from the movie at all. Like, I didn't know if it was going to be a musical. I kind of expected, because it had SNL roots, that it was going to be like a music sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be individual sketches, kind of, that were musically based. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Because they do a lot of music sketches on Which SNL. Which is not too far off. Um, But uh, I felt more like this movie was a vehicle to show people the kinds of music that the movie makers liked. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it is, right? Um, and the plot was kind of shoehorned around that a little bit because the plot doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but um, They're on a mission from God. That's it. <laughs> that's the plot. But they're not because orphanages that are run by, ta- by churches don't have $5,000 tax bills. I mean, it's Chicago politics. <laughs> you can um, you so can tax people for whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you I can mean, tax the and... dead bodies and then make them vote. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's and honestly, I googled it because I was like, mm. I'm pretty sure because yeah. I know churches don't pay like they're exempt from taxes. They don't pay taxes. And I was like, okay, let me look up the Blues Brothers and taxes in Chicago. And there were so many articles, even several on, like, law firm blogs that <laughs> used this as the basis to give tax advice because this is not a thing. Okay. <laughs> and I kind of got stuck with that a little bit. But that that's just a whole aside. That's, that's just an aside. So back to the original point, this movie is a vehicle for – getting this music to a new audience and i think that's not what i was expecting okay and so i wasn't immediately enamored with all of it although some i loved um aretha franklin's performance and i loved cap calloway's performance like those two stick out to me more than anything else in the movie right okay okay so we've done the serious chat now Rachel, you and I can just gush about how happy this film makes us. There we go. Is the, is go the good it. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, okay, so the, the equivalent for me, there is the moment when Ray Charles does the opening chords of Shake a Tail Feather that I'm like, oh, God, this is fun. Uh, uh, excuse me, I don't think there's anything wrong with the action on this piano. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so happy-making in that moment, like... Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you yeah. see all the people on the street dancing, and it's just this huge coordinated thing. And I mean, they've done that before with like the James Brown thing, mm-hmm. but that still builds a little bit and goes a little bit uh, ridiculous with the whole performance. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's so much fun all the way through, and they're yeah. just they're reveling. I, I think you're absolutely right, Mandy. This is about bringing music to people because in the 70s and 80s this was not the sort of music that was played because everyone was experimenting with synths and new Mm -hmm. styles new sounds and new recording equipment so they're bringing an old style of song Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. and 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 like it's not just the the blues the blues is a very small part of this there's your country and western uh what kind of music do you usually have here oh we got both kinds we got country and western (laughs) (laughs) both kinds I did love it that kind uh, of laughing at myself, yeah. but you know that still gets me. No, and it, the one that got me this time is just being like, man, they really because you know Ray Charles has a role, yeah, uh, but that they just got John Lee Hooker to just be a busker. Like, 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the the fun of growing up with it. It's like each time I like, I've watched it, I know more and more about the people in the music so right. that I've I mm-hmm. seen more of the cameos and I understand the mm. context behind them more. And so that's also just sort of fun. Like at first it's like, oh, I just love this music. And like, I can tell that that's someone, but I don't know who because I'm <laughs> bad with faces. But mm-hmm. yeah, then you just kind of get to build and grow and, and enjoy it. And you come yeah. back to it and you find like, oh, it turns out it's Shaka Khan in, mm-hmm. the, in the choir in the church and stuff. Like, yep. oh, okay, they... Either people just got these parts and then went on to be musicians or people were musicians and came in and did it, but... Mm-hmm. Not just musicians. Wasn't Richard Pryor in the choir, too? Not listed as. But maybe. He was you never know. there. Um, sure. <laughs> and, and then, them, you know, putting in people like John Candy, mm-hmm. getting their mates to come in and do stuff. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Pee Wee Herman just in the, the restaurant scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's so weird and so like i think the music makes it so much fun you know whether it's a musical or not it is just a great element to it and it's it's it shows their love and their reveling in it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think the comedy works for me as well and i also get the impression it didn't work for you mandy some of it did so, so things like you know they don't take the sunglasses off and they don't break character they don't look at anything that happens as ridiculous this is just the world they live in the fact they're being chased by nazis and stuff you know yeah yeah it it got to be too much whenever you have them um you know you have carrie fisher shooting the rocket launcher at them Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. just duck Mm -hmm. and then it stops and they get up and just walk in the door (laughs) and then she comes back and destroys the building and everybody just (laughs) crawls out of the fallen brick nobody's injured like things like that were just a little too over the top for me okay and see, I could have done without that entire plot thread because it had nothing to do with the movie. It offered no character <laughs> development. It just gave John Belushi a vehicle for doing his on his knees excuse tirade, right? The, like, the puppy dog eyes, there. yeah, yeah. And it kind of just made me mad. <gasps> but I think part of it is I is there a single female character in this movie that has a name? IMDb I says there are like two. The nun does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's definitely not the good, penguin. <laughs> frankly, no. It's Sist- on that standpoint, stigmata. it's terrible. Yeah, right. Um, and and so like I almost didn't. I, like I was shocked when she finally got to speak. Like three quarters of the way through the movie, <laughs> and I think that might be part of why that plot thread didn't work for me so well. I mean, Carrie Fisher's gorgeous, and watching her with a flamethrower and a rocket launcher pretty cool any day but mm-hmm. i wish they had done more with that instead of made it just something to laugh at and not even give her a name okay i i think i love the idea of what if we have this girl turning up every so often in the film who tries to kill us with some ridiculous weapon and fails and we don't know why Mm-hmm. I think I quite enjoy it, just as something a bit outlandish and random. I mean, you're right. I she should have a name. I would have preferred that they never, if if they were going to do that, that they not resolve it. But trying to resolve it with the scene where he begs her and gives all these excuses, and then he kisses her and <laughs> drops her in the mud, that killed it. 
this is one of those cases where I have to, I find myself in that weird place of being like, it's terrible. And I know it's terrible. And I think maybe if I, I mean, saw it now, I would just think why, Mm. you know, but also. But it's still funny. I also find it really funny. Yeah. And I I also know that Carrie Fisher must have loved the hell out of (laughs) (laughs) firing flamethrowers. Doing her nails whilst reading the rocket launcher. Instruction yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. But you know, it would have been so much better if if they had if they had had the brothers finally see her and Jake be like, "Oh, that's blah blah blah. I left her at the altar, so she's trying to get back at me." And then they run away from her, and then that's it, right? Like it's not. I think because they ended it with him lying to her, gaslighting her, and dropping her in the mud, mm-hmm. it just killed it. Yeah, um, but it has a lot of potential for me because, God, painting her fingernails while reading how to build a flamethrower <laughs> is pretty badass. But they could have just done it differently, and I think I would have enjoyed it more. The the thing that possibly rescues it, and and I think I completely agree with you that yeah, you look at it from that lens. Yes, it's done. Or could be done differently and better. It's Carrie Fisher. If it was anonymous actress that we got cheap because she's pretty. Like you say, she was very well known at this time. Yeah. So maybe yeah. that's part of the joke. But also, yes, they, they, there could and should have been more there. Um, the only other person I can see that has a name is Mrs. Tarantino. Yeah, that doesn't count, though, because that's her husband's name. (laughs) Okay. Mrs. Taranto? Tarantino. (laughs) There's also somebody named Claire. Was she maybe the waitress at Bob's? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Don't ask me anyone's names in this movie. (laughs) Elwood. Elwood's the one I know. I was like... (gasps) Chicken Owen, that's it. Yeah, yeah Ray got to keep his real name. So even Twiggy doesn't actually get a name. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know Twiggy's in this film. <laughs> I was watching that part, and and I I don't know if it's in my notes or not, but I was thinking this is clearly somebody. Like it's a random, really beautiful, blonde British woman. There's a reason she's here. She must be famous. I didn't know who she was. And then it showed up in the thing. It said her name was Twiggy. And I was like, I know that name. <laughs> as far as I got. I couldn't help but compare this to The Jerk that we watched a while back. Okay. That had some of the same elements of like people coming to film for the first time and trying stuff out. For, mm-hmm. for me, this succeeds on every level where The Jerk kind of didn't. Um, okay. And the, the thing that we read about The Jerk that said they tried to put something on every page that makes you laugh. I feel mm-hmm. like this is another one that's trying to do every line should have something should there you know every shot in the film should include something that's a, a comedic moment if possible. You think of all the all the stuff in the restaurant is just them going over the top again and again and again. Even you know getting poured the very expensive champagne. He uses the wrong glass. Yeah. <laughs> what can we keep doing to <laughs> wrong keep glass, the comedy going? Sir. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I like uh, you're saying that trying to have something funny on every page. I like that so much of it is the just the situational or what's on this, uh, you know, behind them or, you know, the car antics and everything. Because I think I struggle with a lot of comedies where it's just like we're trying to make everything be a joke. Mm hmm. Where it just by the end of the movie, I'm like, you want me to laugh? I'm going to be contrary and just not do it because I'm <laughs> mad at you trying to manipulate me. Yeah. Um, but that it – because they play it all so straight, it's mm. not like – I think it comes across very differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like comparing it to like a Wayne's World. In mm -hmm. Wayne's World, ridiculous things happen and Wayne turns to the camera and is like, whoa, wasn't that ridiculous? You know, they yeah. do a nudge, nudge, wink, wink type thing. Mm -hmm. In this, it's oh, she, she's she's destroyed the whole building they're in, and they stand up and walk away like it's not a thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, <laughs> well, and the police chase at the end, right? Where they end up, they yeah, fucking military. And one, I don't think there were any police cars left in Chicago. <laughs> right. and they were done. That's what's so great. <laughs> and then they brought in like all the military and paramilitary groups, and they were all going. I don't even know what that's about <laughs> but it was apparently perfectly normal and they played it completely straight yeah. and then yeah. that shot where they have all crowded into the county assessor's office <laughs> soundlessly apparently and then you just get that shot of all the it's like a cartoon <laughs> yeah like you yeah. would see that shot in a cartoon except they did it with real people brilliant yep it's so funny brilliant <laughs> Because, <laughs> I mean, we've watched films that have these, like, big things early on, and you think, well, how are they going to escalate? And they end up escalating, and it's just ridiculous escalation. Mm -hmm. And you think mm -hmm. with the chase through the mall in this, you know, what are they going to do after this? And uh, and they, they keep going and just having more stuff and more stuff. Mm -hmm. And it kind of works, because you just don't think they can do anything. Oh, no, now here's the military. Oh, here's the SWAT teams. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, there's a tank. <laughs> <laughs> I love that just that whole scene where it's like they're you know all the military are pounding their way in and stuff and they're just like in the elevator listening to the <laughs> elevator music. <laughs> I'd actually forgotten about the the mall scene until you said that. That was the biggest bit of product placement I have ever right? seen. Ever. Yeah. P1 imports. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and then there was like had two or three different signs for coke and then they had all the cereal brands fall on the windshield of the car so mm -hmm. there was like cheerios and frosted flakes and wheaties and it just like everything uh, oldsmobile like when did they put car dealerships in malls they didn't do that ever did they i don't know maybe they did but it, it was just hilarious <laughs> watching that yeah that bit because of the, the yeah product I, I think i mean and again it's product placement but i think again it works because they were ridiculous and they mm -hmm. took over an entire you know a empty mall that had closed and they rebuilt it just so they could actually <laughs> yeah. drive the car through and <laughs> like, it's just I like that level that. of of extra along mm. with crashing an actual train for for the fugitive it's like right <laughs> yeah. up there just right yeah uh, and the extras in that mall sequence it it looks so real because they come mm -hmm. so close to getting run over. These are these people are genuinely jumping out of the way of the cars mm -hmm. as they drive through buildings and shops. Like it's yeah, it's so believable that this is happening. <laughs> right, that's it. I mean, it's 
despite the ridiculousness of all of the physics in the movie, it's mm-hmm. very practical effects. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so actually, uh, a few months ago, someone actually drove a car into one of the biggest malls around here. No. And no. no one was hurt, which is why it's wholeheartedly funny. Right. Because <laughs> they straight up drove into the mall and... All anyone could do was make Blues Brothers jokes Jesus. because, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Right. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was ridiculous. And, and I was going to ask whether this was an actual mall. So it sounds like not. Well, I think it's a shopping center that had closed. Right. And okay. so they built it up again. So ah, interesting. it was, but not actually at the time of them filming because it also feels like an ode to chicago and the chicago area as Mm -hmm. a film you know it is reveling in the sound it makes when you ride when you drive under the elevated train and Mm -hmm. the the streets where john lee hooker is playing i mean that's Mm -hmm. clearly a live street and Mm -hmm. they're just filming what they want to film there and it looks glorious Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. great yeah yeah no it's so fun and all the chicago bits are cool and then also all the suburbs that's just, it's so fun. They, you know, they mention or like what the counties they've covered. And it's like, you know, they're like, oh, hey, that's, that's my county. And um, <laughs> nice. it's, you know, so much of the movie takes place around Chicago too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That, that makes it a lot of fun for all the kids who grew up in the suburbs and <laughs> don't actually, you know, no one really cares about them usually. Oh. Um, right. You know, you get all the, the, where, the the movies that highlight Chicago and all the different bits and pieces, but it's yeah, mm. it's fun to have it be all around. Yeah, because we enjoyed Ferris Bueller and the Fugitive, which mm-hmm. are very heavily set in in the city. Yes, I think, was Avengers and Babysitting Chicago as well? Yes, maybe yeah. Because they moved one of the buildings. But, but remember we talked about that. This is the film that makes me that I think of with mm-hmm. Chicago and just like. I, I have even played video games, driving video games in Chicago, and gone, oh, this is that bit from the Blues Brothers. Cool. <laughs> you know, oh, that's where they keep that Picasso. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's exactly how, like, as a kid, I could not have told you anything about Daily Plaza, but, like, that's where the Picasso is. And then, you know, when they have that line in Blues Brothers, I'm like, that was me. Like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I know where the Picasso is. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if I if I make it to the city, I'm doing the. There must be a Blues Brothers tour. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we've already covered a lot of favorite stuff because the film is a favorite and wonderful and amazing, and everyone should watch it. By the way, Um, Mandy, did you find anything in it? I mean, I've already said the main things I loved um, performance-wise: Aretha Franklin and Cab Calloway. Mm -hmm. I loved the way they cut away, and then when they cut back, he's all in the white tux, right. and mm-hmm. all of the musicians are are set up like like kind of old timey behind the yeah. the boxes. Um, I loved it; I thought it was fantastic. Plus, many of the moochers awesome mm-hmm. song. Um, so there's that. I did. I know we talked about this as. as as much as I dislike the outcome, I did like watching Carrie Fisher <laughs> yeah. wield all of her various weapons. Yep. Um, I, I mean, the, the, the moment that they walk up to the phone, I can't even get through it without laughing. They walk to the phone box and it's next to a giant propane tank. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. You can see I what's like, coming. It's not going to go well. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, th- I mean, there were a few lines I liked, like right at the beginning when Jake's trying to find out what happened to their Cadillac, mm-hmm. and um, Elwood traded it for a microphone, <laughs> yeah. and and Jake's like a microphone. Okay, I can see that. You know, I'm like, I I, I can get that too. You can't actually see, yeah. <laughs> Microphones are expensive if they're like good ones. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Jesus ate tap dancing Christ. It's <laughs> a great line. Um, it wasn't lies. It was just bullshit. Mm-hmm. I really liked that one. Yeah, there's just so much nuance to them as characters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Yep. So. Those are my okay. favorite bits. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just give you those. Rachel, as a you know, long-time fan of it, and we have obviously gone through the things, but but what are the things that you think of when you think of this film? What are your, your moments of glory to it? Um, I'd say the one line we haven't gotten to is, um, like, the it's up 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, a half pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Hit it. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> like, again. Yeah. So good. Um, so many of those lines that just come up. Um, also, I always forget how ridiculous the scene with the penguin is. <laughs> like, <laughs> every time I watch it, I'm like, oh my god, this scene is really just like ridiculous. And just the shot, you know, up the stairwell with the crucifix there and. <laughs> the doors opening and closing by the themselves door, yeah the doors opening and closing yeah i mean that uh, that is an Come snl on. sketch the mm-hmm. idea of you know she hits one of you for swearing so the other one swears so she ends up just hitting back and forth mm-hmm. <laughs> wonderful yeah. yep yeah. but yeah no, i mean i'm with mandy that the musical performances by the actual musicians are just mm. so good um oh man we didn't even talk about uh them busting into the the rawhide theme (laughs) (laughs) stand by your man was better yeah stand by your man they had choreography Mm -hmm. to like clearly they had done that before yeah (laughs) i can clearly matthew's done it before (laughs) i can do two dances i can do that and i can do rolling by limp biscuit so there we go (laughs) so yeah yeah yeah, appa- so apparently there is a third song they did, but they have not yet. Because the, the original edit for this was like 160 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got massively wow. cut down by the studio. And then they got to restore some stuff. But there is, an, there is a third song that they don't have the, the tape for. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, okay. History. Yeah, can I ask you about that sequence then, Mandy? Because like, it feels like they're just doing this trip to Southern US culture... I don't know, bar? Well, Restaurant? So, it was it was a bar uh, place, but it, it felt weird to me. A lot of characters in this movie had a southern accent. Okay. Um, a couple of the cops did. Right. And it seemed odd for a movie that takes place in and around Chicago. So, I will say I'm pretty sure uh, they go to northwest Indiana for that that bar, I'm pretty sure Bob's when you're driving. Right. So, yeah, when they go to Bob's Country Bunker, I'm pretty sure that's in Indiana. So, uh, Still doesn't explain the southern accents. I'd say maybe not quite that strong, <laughs> but man, you get too far out of Chicago. It can get country pretty fast. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
So it, it honestly, it felt more like something that you would see in Texas mm-hmm. than you would see mm. anywhere else. The way they had the long tables and the concrete floor mm-hmm. and um, kind of that vibe. Indiana's a weird place. <laughs> you know, I think all states are weird in their own way. <laughs> it's true, but no state's as miserable to drive through as Indiana. Oh, I mean, never been. So I don't know. But... <laughs> I've done it a few too many times. Mm. There's nothing but cornfields. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I won't put it on the list then. Yeah. To be fair, that's also a lot of Illinois. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Just, um, yeah, lots of corn. I'm I'm trying to think of the other performances that we should talk about i mean jailhouse rock coming at the end Mm -hmm. it's really funny because watching it this time the bit where it starts going to the each of the singers you've got like aretha franklin doing a couple of lines ray charles doing a couple of lines this kind of Mm -hmm. thing it reminded me of the imagine video Mm. (laughs) that sort of thing with it yeah it's all just so good yeah just get a bunch of famous people together and have them sing a couple lines yeah and put it all together i mean i assume they got them to sing like the whole thing and they picked their lines maybe but who knows uh-huh. yeah i I don't know how one would do that can i talk the editing for a minute because that's the thing that stands out Go for me for a bit like the, there's the the bit with the john johnny hooker bit where they're driving through the busy street and you've got his music playing and you've got Elwood tapping on the on the steering wheel and it's in time to the music that's playing. Clearly shot completely separately. All the way through, anytime they, they have music playing, if someone's doing a beat, they're doing a beat to the music that's on. Uh, whether that's a trick of, you know, speeding it up, slowing it down to, to get it absolutely bang on point. When they've got the mini the moocher sequence, and, and because I had more scenes in that with them crawling around and trying setting up the cars to blow up and stuff, like... You have Minnie the Moocher, you then have them doing the creeping bit to the, you know, in <laughs> with, with the beats of it. So then doing the really quick, quick creeping around the, the cob. And then he explains something and then the music, the, the lyrics come back in. And then the lyrics stop and he explains something else. You get a bit more exposition. And they've got the exact right amount of time between them all. So they must have just done a lot of like random pickup shots so they could edit in the exact time they wanted to. Mm-hmm. It it it's it's a pretty flawless performance for for the the way they put it all together, and I think the one that really stands out actually is James Brown, because there's like five or six different camera angles during that whole sequence. There's some really up high, mm-hmm. there's some close to the side, there's some from the front, there's some from the back, all this sort of thing. But you can never see where cameras would be in each shot, mm-hmm. so they must have done it five or six different times with the cameras in different positions, and then edited it together. But, you know, the choreography is so perfect. They can do it from shot to shot. And people are in the same position doing the same. But, you know, the girl who kicks a leg really high and the guy who does flips and stuff. It works. It's so good. I just. I love. Brilliant. I love watching you when you're so excited about a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm almost watching it, like, expecting it not to be so good. Because it's 1980. It's, you know, the the, the first film of this type from SNL in some ways it's it's Dan Aykroyd for the first time but it all works so well mm-hmm. it's got a much higher production value than it probably should have done and, and like that then comes to the comedy you're saying you know there's there's all these lines peppered throughout that are just so good little moments of character and dialogue that they're giving it's just that's fun mm-hmm. and it's still funny yeah uh, the, the the Nazis falling down and just a long shot of that car falling, which, yes, must have been a practical effect. Like, 
they're doing some work there, and he just turns to him. He's like, "I've always loved you." <laughs> oh, that car falling shot! It goes on so so long. <laughs> I, I don't know what they dropped the car off to do that. Whether it's a crane and just incredibly high, maybe. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I love the opening shot. Not the opening shot. The opening shot of of, of the Blues Brothers together, where you've got Joliet. Jake inside the prison gates, but you've got the the sunrise behind him. You've got this great beam of light coming out, mm-hmm. and it cuts to Elwood, cuts back to him. You've got all this light behind him, and then when it you know starts going to credits, and you've got them on on either side of the screen, and it's Elwood who goes in to hug Jake. It's already setting mm-hmm. up a sort of power differential between them. That Jake mm-hmm. is the the stalwart, Elwood is the one who will want the emotional connection. Mm-hmm. And they build on that through, throughout the thing. So when you then watch it again and again, you're like, they, they already have these characters from the very beginning of it. They know what they're doing, what they're setting up. Right. And, and every moment is an opportunity to put something in there. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, and that's interesting. That's probably one of the advantages of it being, you know, characters that they'd played with before is mm. that they really, they knew that. And so it's not like they go into filming and suddenly they're filming like, in a scene two thirds of the way through, and they're like, "Well, I guess I'd better figure out what my character is." Yeah, exactly. You know, they had it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I don't think it's anything particularly too far from what they know how to do, anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's fine, you know. But yeah, it's great, and and the the little differences between the like that restaurant scene, and it's Jake who knows how to push it really far, <laughs> and just turning around talking to the guy. Behind how much for the little girl? <laughs> Okay, that was funny too. I think this movie was funnier than I cared to admit. <laughs> I do love watching the other bandmates as well when they each get lines because I think everyone gets like two lines in the film, mm-hmm. and there's just you can tell who's an actor and who's not, who's comfortable and who's not. Some of them mm-hmm. are much, mm-hmm. and it's the same with the actual musicians as well. Some of them are much better actors than others. Ray, Ray mm-hmm. Charles is is working hard when he's got his dialogue to deliver. <laughs> it's great brilliant yep all right well is there anything else that we need to discuss about the blues brothers i think i got all my notes in there i just i love it so much (laughs) i wanted to ask rachel if you've seen the sequel i actually haven't okay i I kind of tend to just not watch sequels (laughs) especially to things like this is it a legit sequel it is a legit sequel. It's Blues Brothers 2000. It's Dan Aykroyd. Uh, I think it might even be John, Land- John Landis again. Uh, and John Candy. And John Candy had toured with them. Not mm-hmm. John Candy. I don't mean John Candy. John Goodman. <laughs> that one. <laughs> Similar but not. John Goodman, who I think had toured with them already and done done some sketches and stuff. Um it's really hard because it is just kind of more of the same and trying to escalate it, but it's also a pale mm-hmm. shadow of this. Like yeah. you can you can just see, you know, oh okay, it's the Russian mafia, not Nazis. Okay. You know, you could have done yeah. something different. But at the same time it's more of the oh, they're singing music and fun things are happening. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure I can recommend it, Manly. <laughs> okay. If you'd loved this, maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel bad when I don't love things that you love. Good. 
<laughs> you should. <laughs> Good. Okay. No, it, I, 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 I think this film just how it has such a special place in our hearts. Just you know, mm-hmm. growing up with it as well as you know, still enjoying it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a definite nostalgia factor. Hey, you didn't say that you like wish you had those two hours back. So that is correct. There we go. <laughs> you just wish you'd had this hour back. Yeah. Here's a semi-funny story. Um, I don't know. I I told Matthew this already, but I don't know if you're familiar with the movie, Movie 43. Mm. It's it's a terrible movie. Um, But Joseph made me watch that after we watched The Blues Brothers so that I would know what an actual bad movie was. (laughs) Is that why he made you watch it? (laughs) Yes. That is why he made me watch it. Oh, man. Um, And it did make me feel a little better about The Blues Brothers. (laughs) That's amazing. Movie, yeah. No, Movie 43 is terrible. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you should watch it. <laughs> I'm so- Except I really want Matthew to watch it. Yeah, I'm so glad you didn't enjoy it because you did send me a message saying, hey, have you seen this? I went, no, it's apparently terrible. I don't want to see it. And then suddenly <laughs> thought, so oh, God. Oh, God. What if she really liked it? And I'm now <laughs> trampling on your dreams. <laughs> Hugh Jackman is in it, and he plays a dude who has testicles coming out of his throat. Just, like, that just to set up the movie for you. Let me watch it now. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Ringing endorsement. I mean, the cast is awesome. I was going to say, I'm like, I love Hugh Jackman, but Mm. I don't love him that much. It's a bunch of different sketches. Yeah, it's an anthology. general premise. Yeah, the general premise of the one that was... um, the alternate cut, which is the one that I saw, um, is three teenagers are trying to find, like, the biggest band movie of all time or whatever. It doesn't actually exist. They're pranking somebody. And so they go through and they find all of these clips of band movies. And so we watch these individual little clips that are, you know, like Hugh Jackman with testicles in his throat. And so... They were all filmed, like, individually, mm-hmm. and so they would just wait the actors out once they decided, like, they had agreed to do it because they're friends, and then they realized they didn't actually want to do this, and so they would just wait two or three years until they finally could pounce on, like, you can film this this day, <laughs> and they would, like, just do little bits at a time until they put it all together because it's so bad. Oh, Lord. Wow. Okay. Well. Ringing endorsement there. Yep. (laughs) All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, not about Movie 43, though, (laughs) you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome to have you here. And thank you for bringing on the Blues Brothers. I'm very excited someone finally said Heck yeah, I finally got you there three years later. (laughs) Thank you for joining me to gush about it as well. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Where can people find you and your podcast? Yes. uh, So I podcast on So You Want to Read Tolkien. We go chapter by chapter through Tolkien's works. We are currently on Return of the King, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. Our website is youwanttoreadtolkien.com, or we are on Twitter at toreadtolkien. We said last week, but awesome awesome show. Everyone should go and listen. Amazing. Thank you. Um, It's great. If you think I'm funny, you'll probably enjoy it. If you don't think I'm funny... You probably won't because I'm incapable of being serious. <laughs> to other people there who, and everyone just talks about Doom all the time. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. 
So much do- doom. Doom and debating the pronunciation of things. Which yep. is awesome, yeah. Um, I mean, that sounds like Tolkien, so... Do you have any other recommendations? Anything else you think we should seek out? Oh, God. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Could we put you on the spot? Um, I'm I'm so excited to listen to you guys um, talk about... Um, why am I blanking now? Uh, first Contact, because mm-hmm. that's the other, like... I saw most of the Star Wars movies. Or Star Trek. Oh my god! <laughs> the Carrie Fisher talk has been the yeah. Thing, isn't it? Yeah, I saw most of the Star Trek movies also as a kid. Um, I'm 100 percent grew up in more of a Trekkie, um, and that one just was the one that resonated with me forever. So I'm excited to hear what you think. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we got that coming up. There will be other Star Trek films. We will be coming back to them. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> See, we knew we liked you for a reason. There we go. <laughs> we are running out of Star Trek films. <sighs> we're running out of good Star Trek films we're running yeah. out of. Yeah. <gasps> Pop Culture Deprived is completely funded by our lovely listeners like you through Patreon. So anything you can give, even $1 a month, gives access to exclusive content, bonus shows, early access to shows, all sorts of exciting things, and that physical merch. Plus it helps us to cover our hosting costs, our podcasting costs, our equipment costs, and helps us to develop new shows. If you want to find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week where we are going to talk about Star Trek First Contact with Sarah from Nature Finds a Way podcast. So until then, I am Mandy Kay. And I ran out of gas. I had a flat tyre. I didn't have enough money for cab fare. My tux didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake, a terrible flood, locust. It wasn't my fault. I swear to God. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing on your Heidi 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 Hi podcast. You have to cut that out. <laughs> it was beautiful. No, 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 not even a little bit. <laughs>